Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Player One on Sin. I am, of course, Eleni, one of your EPs, joined by Tom, Max, and a very exciting new addition to the squad, Hugo, which we'll be chatting with a bit later, getting his rundown on his favourite games, all that jazz. But, of course, before we get to all that good stuff, we're going to let you know where you can check us out on the social medias. If you head to at Player One Sin on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we keep you up to date on any awesome content we've got going on any interviews any podcast stuff it's all there for you to check out so like and subscribe to that and speaking of liking and subscribing we're on youtube player one sin check it out cool content coming there as well of course you know if you love listening to our beautiful beautiful voices you can continue to do that in the podcast realm at player one sin on omni apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify it's all there we've got the first episode of season one Sorry, season two, I should say, up and running for you to check out. But of course, you know, we do like to take this time as well just to make sure that anyone listening in, if you are struggling, are needing to reach out to anyone, there are some fantastic resources available for you to do so. Beyond Blue at 1300-224-636, Kids Helpline at 1800-55-1800, and QLife Helpline at 1800-184527. Folks, we've got a lovely show coming up, some exciting gaming awards news, some fun segments, lots of news and drama always in the gaming space. Uh, uh, and now for the news. Uh, Techland has announced that Dying Light 2 uh, officially sold over 5 million units in its first month and that the sales are, quote, significantly growing each month. Uh, Sony Santa Monica Studio animation director Bruno Velasquez, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Confirmed via Twitter that God of War Ragnarok will be releasing this year, which is very exciting to hear. Uh, and also Sony, after its U-turn around closing the PS3, Vita and PSP stores in the summer of last year, has announced that game preservation is at the top of its list for this year, announcing 340 games from the PS1, 2, 3 and PSP uh, will be coming to PS Plus for PS5 soon. Uh, additionally, Bethesda has released new concept art and music for their upcoming release, Starfield. Now, the big news for this week, Sonic 2 is now the highest grossing video game movie of all time, which I am absolutely thrilled to hear. It very much deserves it by being one of the few watchable video game movies. So I really am very happy to hear that. And in sad news for video game movies, the Mario movie has been delayed to 2023. The inevitable march of Chris Pratt as Mario has finally slowed down for a bit, so that's actually kind of really to hear. Three classic Elder Scrolls games are going to come to Steam. The Elder Scrolls Arena, Elder Scrolls 2, Elder Scrolls Adventures Redguard, and Elder Scrolls Legend Battlespire. And uh, yeah, that's coming to Steam. Niantic has revamped Pokemon Go's Mega Evolutions which I'm sure for anyone still playing Pokemon Go is very exciting. Um, so that's good to hear. May the 4th, it's coming. It's nearly here. It's getting closer each day. Um, unfortunately, there don't seem to be many Star Wars releases on that day. The Kenobi series will be coming later in May. 
but that's exciting nonetheless. And on the topic of Star Wars, Disneyland has recently released Jedi Fallen Order Cal Kestis's lightsaber. Um, so hopefully we might be able to see more of that character in the future, um, maybe in the upcoming Kenobi series or in other live action Star Wars um, shows or spin-offs. So that could be exciting. Uh, and now onto our new host, Hugo. What are the new releases for this week? Oh, thanks, Max. Uh, so no worries, only, uh, only, only five new releases coming this uh in the coming few days so uh for example uh wildcat gun machine i know it's a very very gripping title uh it looks all things considered it looks pretty cool uh i'll give you the brief rundown just quickly um it's an explosive roller coaster ride this is by the steam steam uh, description if you will so uh I'm going to be reading this verbatim. Um, uh, you Basically, it's a bullet hell dungeon crawler where a bunch of uh, quote-unquote disgusting flesh beasts actually looking at this uh, Steam page. It's not, not Dying Light 1 volatile levels, but it's still... They're not nice to look at. But basically, lots of gear, lots of guns, uh, lots of mech robots, and uh, uh, you know that they're really... Uh, in with the kids when uh, in the very first paragraph it says cute kittens. So uh Hey, I'm I'm sold, but um what what consoles <laughs> slash devices is that one coming to Hugo? Oh, that's uh strangely enough, it's PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Although I must say, um surprise it's not on PS5. Um bit strange, but I I am you know, you'd, you'd assume that if it was on the Xbox One, it'd be on the Xbox Series S, considering its uh, cross-compatibility. Um, but yeah, that's coming out May, May the 4th, uh, Star Wars Day, which is a little bit um, interesting timing, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, next coming up is uh, Best Month Ever, which is a... Um, you basically... You're following this woman who's going through a, uh, a trip a road trip uh, through the late 1960s in USA, um, trying to show her son, Mitch, uh, how to navigate the uh, modern world. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a uh, life is strange type thing. It's very narrative driven. I don't think that gameplay will be paramount because um, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest, but um, yeah, it, it, looks, it looks like a very interesting game and you know, people who are really into story-driven games will be really into this one. Uh, that's also coming out on May the 5th, which is the day after, and that's coming out on PC, PS5, Xbox Series S slash X, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Bit of a mouthful there. Um, next one is Trek to Yomi, and uh, this is a uh, basically about a young swordsman who has sworn to protect his town um, from all threats. Um, <clears throat> basically it's a, uh, kind of looks like a, uh, a hack and slash top down hack and slash. I'm fairly sure. Um, but regardless it's, uh, all oh, side to side. Never mind. It's like a shadow man. What was that game for the phone for the iPhone? It was huge. Anyways, I digress. That one um, game that was released. No, 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 no. Cause it's got That's a very my, similar visual style where it's like you're set in like old time Japan and you're like fighting 
Um, oh, oh, actually, and everyone's actually, silhouettes. Everyone's actually, silhouettes. actually, this is making me laugh because I'm, I don't know what the game's called, but I'm pretty sure this is all I played in year 12 English and you've really yeah, unlocked yeah, yeah. a memory, Hugo. It's <laughs> it's not Shadow Warrior or anything. because But it was like, like that. A, that's like a first, but it's, it's, it's something similar to that name, regardless. It's very similar mechanically to that and present the way it present, presents itself. Um, so yeah, Mortal Kombat-esque um, 2D fighter, um, which looks really cool. Um, it was coming up PS, uh, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One and PC. Sorry, people on the Switch, you aren't going to be able to get this one. But yeah, that's also May the 5th. And last one for May the 5th is our Warhammer 40K Chaos Gate Demon Hunters. This is a, uh, a tactical RPG um, based in the 40K universe, which is a bit gritty and gory, but uh, if you're a 40K fan, that's exactly what you'd expect and hope for. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's basically following uh, humanity's greatest weapon, the Grey Knights, against the uh, corrupting forces of chaos. And they are in a quote-unquote brutal and fast-paced turned tactical turn-based tactical rpg that is a lot of tags to give to one game anyways the final final new game oh that that's on pc by the way the 40k game anyways last one is crowns and pawns uh kingdom of deceit now uh this is a uh it's fellow sure yeah it's a model it's a point and click yeah, it's a point-and-click game. Shockingly enough, this is not set in the medieval times. This is actually um, modern times where you're solving a murder mystery, point-and-click adventure, uh, inspired by classics such as uh, Broken Sword, Monkey Island, Still Life in Siberia. And um, it's supposed to, you know, go, go back in time. If you're into Nancy Drew, you'll like that one. That's coming out on PC on May the 5th. Oh, on May the 6th, sorry. But, um, yeah. That's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, that's it for new releases. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about the BBC proms. And to everyone who knows about what that is, this might be a little bit confusing, but this, this is the first time ever that the BBC will be featuring video game music in their live orchestral kind of month of music, which is super exciting, guys. I'm, I'm keen. <laughs> it's... Uh, for those, I guess, as well who don't know, BBC Proms is a it's an event where lots of music gets played in a massive uh, musical hall in a chamber, like orchestral piece, and they're going to be featuring some songs and stuff from video game OSTs. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, well, um, I'm super excited. I think, uh, you know, we're we're all big gaming fans, and I think something that a lot of people maybe fail to really acknowledge is how good video game OSTs can be. You know, we all love them. We appreciate them, but I think, you know, maybe the more mainstream audience doesn't really see them, you know, in the same light as, you know, like a great movie soundtrack or a great TV show soundtrack. But I mean, sometimes they're even better. Like, you know, this particular showcase will be highlighting um, some of the tracks from Battlefield 40, um, 2042, but then, you know, even more exciting, you know, The Legend of Zelda, you know, um, me personally, I remember in 2019, the Melbourne Symph Symphony Orchestra actually did a performance. It was the um, 
think it was called the Symphony of the Goddesses. Um, and they did music from all of the Zeldas. It was like the most amazing thing I've ever been to. And it was right before Breath of the Wild came out. Um, so they had like the theme as well. And it was such a great concert. And, you know, even this particular showcase will also include songs from Shadow of the Colossus. So it's awesome to see, you know, gaming OSTs finally getting the recognition they deserve because they're just absolute bangers, honestly. Um, I mean, Max, what do you think? Have you got any games that, you know, you love the music from? Um, well, kind of like you said, I think it's great to see that video game music is finally being recognised as genuine art rather than just as like sort of like a weird niche side interest. And, you know, that can largely be said for the medium as a whole. So I think it's actually quite interesting to see that it's finally you know, pretty much at that point where it is very mainstream, it's very much accepted by everyone at this point. Um, I think particularly, I think all the Zelda soundtracks, I think everyone loves to see those. I'm going to have to say those, what I'm looking forward to see, um, seeing from this, yeah. Yeah, and I think one thing um, that I think actually kind of catapulted this was the Olympics. You know, Japan had so many fantastic, Hugo, you're, you're nodding. Do you agree? How good was it at the Olympics when they had tracks from iconic Japanese games? When I heard it, I was like, I, I wasn't too sure if I was crazy or something. And then the next day I had a look at an article that was suggested to me by Google. And I was like, yep, I, I'm proud that I actually recognized that, uh, you know, game OSTs and themes were actually featured at the Olympics and um, also glad that they were really included. Yeah, yeah and, I, just... and I, I had the same reaction. I remember sort of watching the Olympics and I was like, surely not. Like, I've just, like, imagined this and then I would, like, turn to my family and we're all kind of gaming lovers. So they'd be like, no, 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 like, you're correct. But, yeah, it, it is lovely. Is there a particular gaming soundtrack that you love, Hugo? Something that I'd really like to see redone was in uh, 2020, uh, 2021, sorry, um, leading up to the release of Halo Infinite, uh, the Sydney Youth Symphony Orchestra performed the Halo theme, uh, like, you know, as a promotional event. A lot of stuff goes on related to Halo in, um, in Sydney, honestly. Like, a few weeks back, they had a huge hologram of master chief anyways um like it was on a boat it was it was going across the sydney harbor um anyways and they introduced like a there was a didgeridoo in it and everything and it really incorporated like australian elements to the theme and um yeah i think that halo just has some of the most recognizable soundtracks although i would prefer it if that was headlining it and actually included instead of 2042's theme because isn't it isn't my favorite theme out of them I, i'd say that they would be better off doing battlefield 5's theme or battlefield 1 because it's a lot more orchestral and would suit the um the theme of the event a lot better in general but yeah it's super exciting in in, in general so yeah i'm i'm super hyped to to watch it you know i'm not gonna go there any by any time but yeah, um, yeah i don't think any of us are getting there but that's such a good point halo i mean everyone knows when you hear the like bum, 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 like everyone knows that's halo straight away and i love that um i guess i think one thing um i failed to mention earlier was pokemon will also be featuring so you know going back to sort of the japanese influence i mean you can't you can't fault nintendo most of their games that they release have an absolutely iconic soundtrack to go along with it this is brian wecht and you're listening to Player One on Sin. 
And now we're talking about how Netflix is promising that they'll have over 50 games on their platform by the end of the year. Um, what do we all think about that? I'm, I'm in shock. I'm, I'm <laughs> devastated, truly. Yeah, 50 games. God damn, I don't even have 50 fingers to count that many games on. But seriously, I, I think it's such, a, it's such a strange number to, for them to be like so ambitiously excited about, right? Uh, I don't know about the rest of the Play One Party, but I have the Xbox uh, Game Pass. If there is less than 50 games on that, if there's less than like 200 games on that, I'd be surprised. Like, Netflix is coming into an extremely competitive industry trying to compete with the likes of Google. <laughs> and of course, Microsoft Game Pass. And now coming up with the PlayStation Premium things. I'm really nervous to see what they think they can do with this. Especially after the whole, oh, you know, mess of shutting out people from uh, password sharing and then also closing all the animation studios. And uh, they there was something else they decided to do. I can't remember. Oh, they're going to play ads. They're going to play ads on Netflix. Can't wait for an ad break right as I'm uh, about to go mining and crafting. But speaking of mining and crafting, I actually have played games on Netflix. There's a little known fact. I've played Minecraft Story Mode <laughs> on Netflix. You can do it. You can go check it out right now if you're still subscribed. Uh, they have a bunch of choose your own adventure games in quote marks and Minecraft Story Mode made its way onto that. Uh, we also had the Black Mirror one that was kind of their huge uh, push when that started coming out. But there's, uh, I think there's one with Puss in Boots and oh, I don't know. I know Netflix. I'm not feeling good. I have no faith. Does anyone have any more faith than me? Please. Well, I was I was going to say like in relation to what you were just saying that net, like they they've technically they've technically already done this if you want to classify yeah like the Minecraft story mode or the Black Mirror Bandersnatch which was great by the way as a game even though they're more just sort of like they are basically just like movies like in the same way that like the yeah all the Telltale games aren't really games if they're going to do that sort of thing. Well, they it, can count it's, that as a game. Uh, the quick time events. Just... <laughs> it's what? basically just if you really like the dialogue option in Dying Light 2, and there's only two options the entire time, and you want it to be the entire experience. And the game's going to end the same as well. I don't and know you're playing, doing it for I'd... a child's game? I, it was fun. I had so much fun. Okay. It was a lot of fun. Lots of laughs were shared, mostly at the game. But. There, Netflix actually owns a bunch of video games not on the Netflix platform as well. Fun talking about Stranger Things before we were talking about the the seasons, but there is a game for every season of Stranger Things at the moment where they were like, "Oh look, we we we're updating the game with the updates that video games would have received at the time." Uh, none of them are on the the subscription based platform. Maybe that that will encapsulate what four of fifty. So. That, that ticks 46 more boxes to go on what games possibly Netflix might have. I'm very excited. Well, um, I guess one thing to note is um, the sort of the context of this is at the moment currently, um, Netflix users have access to 18 games. So it's not necessarily that 50 more are being churned out in the next, well, six months or so. It's more that by the end of the year, they're thinking that they'll have around uh, 50 games. And this um, estimate was told... Um, to the an anonymous source told this to the Washington Post. Uh, so it's an interesting thing. I think the the context is funny because obviously 
you know, Netflix has been losing a lot of subscribers lately. So it's interesting to see that maybe their way to sort of get those users back is by releasing video games, which I think is super bizarre given that, you know, the, the gamers aren't really, you know, being drawn towards Netflix at all for these games. Um, It's interesting what you said, Tom, about sort of um, Stranger Things and those types of games, because I am curious what what you all think in terms of the types of games they're going to release, what they could focus on. Like you said, Tom, there's already four Stranger Things games out. So do we think that, you know, maybe there's going to be some sort of collaboration between The Witcher, you know, something like that? Will any of the the animated shows that they've got going on that they haven't cancelled yet um, have gaming adaptations of the sort. What what do you think, Hugo? I just... It makes me so confused because if they want to have, like, actual games on Netflix, then they can't keep it app-based, I don't think, because... You need a console, right? You need, you need a, if you're, okay, just let me just start from the top. If you are going to run Call of Duty Warzone, you need a pretty chunky computer or console, right? I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that they're going to add that to their subscription, but we you, need, <laughs> you need, you need something to run it, right? With things like the Minecraft story mode, like choose your own adventure, point and click, stuff that's like you just select something that's basically just a like a a phone game so if they're planning on adding basically like mobile games to netflix um i mean that could theoretically work but i don't see how they're going to get like actual games games onto i I think netflix what you're proposing is the idea that this is becoming dangerously close to Google Stadia? That's what I was actually about to make that situation. Yeah. Like a, a it's, studio. It's very no, no, think, similar. think about it. Think about it, right? Yeah. A big, big corporation, right? Knows nothing about video games besides handing off the I, one of their IPs off to a different studio to do what they want with it. They want it to loosely follow the story. And if at the if they do that at the end of the day, then they'll okay it, right? Big corporation. Google, Netflix, all right? They don't know what they're... They've they've never made a game in their life. They don't know a thing about the video game industry besides what their little kid tells them. Well, actually, technically they have, but... Hey, now. Hey, now. (laughs) They can't just come barging in. They can't can't do that. Don't come come to the Google Stadia, okay? That... The Google Stadia was... Stadia forever. ...is a work of art here at Player One. Anyone who's tuned in before knows how much we love the Stadia. We've never made fun of the Google Stadia ever, there's no oh, such you, thing as a Stadia Bell. We've, we've, never, we've, we've, we've never made fun gonna, of Google Stadia and all four of their users. We've never done that. We've never done that. But, oh. hey, you know, uh, Netflix, good luck to you. I do sort of – I do agree with you, Hugo. I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what directions they're going in. But, you know, good luck. Maybe some great games will be released. And now, folks, some very exciting news. We love covering gaming awards, but this is even more exciting gaming awards because it is a brand-new sort of – awards list that was specifically focusing on LGBTQ plus representation in the gaming space, which is something we love to see, something we want more of, and it's great to see an awards list dedicated to celebrating diversity and inclusivity in the gaming space. So fantastic, you know, steps forward. Uh, Some great games won as well, some of my favourites. Game of the Year, obviously very exciting. Um, It went to Life is Strange True Colours, which absolute 
ripper of a game you know in terms of diversity representation it's one of the best i've ever seen so safe to say it it won a lot of awards um for this particular list uh gaming magazine readers award went to resident evil village uh which i think we all know is purely because you know of big scary lady um and you know the the awakening that she had for lots of people that was covered all over the social media hugo you're a fan of that game Oh, you know, it was also just a good ge- good game in general. Well, it was. It, <laughs> besides, besides the besides Lady D, I, I think I think it was a pretty good game in general. Hence why I was there. No, it was a fantastic game. I love the yeah. game. I, I just loved that. Um, like you know, because I, I played it, and I guess because I'd gone into it, and she'd gotten so much coverage, I kind of thought that she was going to feature throughout the whole game. So I, I very nah. much, yeah, I very much so not, not trying to spoil spoilers, spoiler warning. She's only like one third of the game. Yeah, if that still, still pretty good. It is, but if that, which made me laugh, I was like, it's funny, you know, when you get a game and what people pick up from it. Um, but lovely, uh, authentic representation award went to Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, best LGBTQ character award went to Alex Chen in um, Life is Strange True Colors. Fantastic protagonist, absolutely loved her, you know, a bit of bi representation. We love to see it. Um, best LGBTQ indie game award is very exciting because it went to Unpacking, which is an Aussie game, Aussie developed. So, we love to see um, some Australian developers getting getting some awards, getting some you know accolades. It's fantastic. Uh, some of the other categories were LGBTQ streamer rising star class of 2022, LGBTQ streamer of the year went to Amesy. Uh, so it was just really fantastic to see uh, a list of awards specifically looking at highlighting um, you know this this group of people, uh, not just focusing on you know, games, but also, you know, media or influential people who identify within this community. It's fantastic to see. It's such a growing thing and great to see a particular magazine really, really single them out and highlight them. Uh, Tom, were there any big takeaways, any games or any awards that you thought love to see it? Oh, you're, you're setting me up. You just know how excited I am. Okay, I was super, super glad to see that uh, Rainbow Six's own fluke won the esports representative and uh just an icon in the industry and someone i find hugely inspiring uh, i just i was so, so glad to see them and also uh, r6 just get a little bit of time in the spotlight uh, definitely deserved and uh, i mean it brings a smile to my face talking about it right now <laughs> no i love that and that's why it's so great to have these awards you know people like that or just individuals that wouldn't usually get sort of a, a direct spotlight. It's fantastic to see, and we we do love it. Uh, Hugo, any particular awards that stand out for you? Any winners that you thought, wow, that's awesome? I think you already know mine. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, no, other than that, I'd have to say I'm really happy about um, the Indie Game Award because it's kind of, you know, recognizing the fact that although Australia is like un really underrepresented in both like a a video game sense, but also an esports sense. Like I I challenge you to find one Australian player who's been in the recent um Pound Town uh Smash Bros tournament. Um and there was people all over the world, like France, Europe, you know, just in general. Um but regardless, it's really showing that you know, we actually 
we actually have a chance in this industry, kind of like how Untitled Goose Game absolutely took the world by storm, unpacking Zona in its own way. And I really, it's just an absolute joy to see the industry in this country take off when, um, you know, places like Europe and the US, it's just absolutely dominated by them. So yeah, it's really, it's really great to see. No, absolutely. And it is one of those things, you know, I've, I've done some coverage on player one and done some coverage externally, but um, you know, the, the gaming development scene in Australia is a growing thing. The government's really backing it. You've got places like, you know, we're a Melbourne based organization. So you've got film Victoria who do a fantastic job of offering grants to local developers. Um, Screen Queensland does a fantastic job as well. So I love that you highlighted that Hugo. Uh, Max, want to take it away with, with your thoughts on these awards before we head into a lovely tune? Uh, well, I think it's interesting that there's more AAA studios or like studios that are more well-known that are finally showing up in these awards. Because before it was sort of like, well, obviously this is the first time that there's these particular awards, but typically like you wouldn't really see that much diversity in most AAA games. I think it's interesting that we're starting to see a shift in that now as more and more players do want to see those characters and themselves re uh, represented throughout. So I think that's probably the key thing I took away from this is yeah that there's finally a bit more going on there which I think is kind of nice now in this section so it's, it's a pretty interesting section we're going to be talking about how um PlayStation is going into full-on conservation mode um so basically uh doing what Xbox originally advertised with their game pass and uh trying to salvage and uh let you play as many of the uh previous games as possible now um this will be for about you know, it's uh, roughly the same price as uh, Game Pass and uh, it's going to be uh, just added to the it's a pre-existing uh, PS Plus premium subscription. Um, and it will be including games from the PS2, the original PlayStation, PS3 and PSP generations. Um, this is actually pretty ironic considering how last year they've shut been shutting down a lot of the uh, digital stores for uh, the older consoles. So, um, yeah, un honestly, I think that it's a good thing that they're doing. I think it's the damage has been done, unfortunately, because Xbox is kind of renowned for being the backwards compatible console in general. But, um, yeah, I'm just excited to be able to... Well, I don't own a PlayStation, to be honest, but... um. I'm excited for people out there to finally be able to play Metal Gear Solid 1, which has been lost to time, unless you're running an emulator of some kind, and Metal Gear Solid 4, which has been restricted to the PS3 and hasn't been able to be on the PS4. So I'm excited to see those games. I'm sure that there's dozens, other, dozens of other games that other people are looking forward to. Um, yeah, Thomas, do you have any uh, games that you're excited to see that have been lost to time? You have no idea. I, I mean, I don't know if it's been lost in time. I was seeing on the PlayStation 5 store, there's this game I used to play on a friend's PlayStation 2 called War of the Monsters, which is just a, like a kaiju battle game, like a fighting game, but it's kind of 3D, like in its platform rather than 2D. And it was one of those games as a kid that just had so much nostalgia that I know I'm absolutely going to ruin the second I boot it up. But I, I'm really excited about this. And I'm also really sad about this one. I think I've noted here that it's PlayStation Plus Plus. Like, we've got PlayStation uh, Plus, and then PlayStation Plus Extra, and then PlayStation Plus Premium, is it? I found it a bit confusing to, like, unravel. So there's three tiers there'll be, which... Um, 
I mean, sure, if that if that's what they're excited to go for, I, I find it really exciting that it's super much more accessible, just like you were talking about, Hugo, where we can get like Metal Gear Solid 1 back into the arms of players, especially people who are playing on PlayStation 4, like the most, one of the, the most selling uh, consoles at the moment, like still very attention grabbing, and obviously the PlayStation 5, but off the back of shutting down all the servers it does feel hard you know it's like it's kind of like a stab in the heart to everyone who's still really enjoying their time on their older things uh such as the playstation portable and the vita but it's it feels like how do you have we how do we know really where the finances go with this how expensive is it to run these stores servers still versus how expensive is it now to just port everything onto the future consoles uh, i think that that's where like I'm a bit, I'm a bit indifferent, but uh, how are you feeling about it, Lenny? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, what I found, what I kind of took away from this is I wonder if this is sort of PlayStation and Sony's way of maybe giving their subscription service the edge because, uh, I mean, this, this story sort of came to fruition because um, a newly appointed um member of, of PlayStation, Garrett Fredley took to Twitter and announced that he's been joining PlayStation and that he um, is making up one of the initial hires to the newly created preservation team for PlayStation. So I, I wonder if this focus on, um, you know, bringing, bringing back classic games into the limelight, because, you know, obviously Xbox have some fantastic titles, but I think, you know, in terms of the history of the consoles, I would argue that PlayStation maybe have more iconic games, you know, they've got longer standing franchises. So I just wonder if this is maybe their way of trying to give themselves the edge and be competitive with Xbox Game Pass. Cause I really think like you were all saying at this point, I think they've definitely missed the, like they've dropped the ball. I think Game Pass is such a well-developed machine at this point that it'll never compete directly. So I just wonder if, you know, in, in the coming months, in a year we see, you know, iconic PlayStation One games become available. I wonder if that's the way they'll they'll draw people in. Uh, it, it is really interesting. I love it though. I think it's like it's awesome to see people really celebrating classic games. I think there's nothing more tragic than games that get lost to time, games that fall through the cracks of you know remasters and whatnot. So I love the focus on it. I'm just really interested in in sort of the intentions behind it. I think that's the thing that we're we get to find out. But Max, what, what's your hot take on this one? Uh my hot take, I'm I'm actually more surprised that uh like a smaller part of this is that now, of course, since you can't like they're showing down the store on the PS3 Vita and PSP, which I actually I think I'm kind of annoyed about because kind of weird that we can't do that anymore like just it's the same store on everything i don't know why they couldn't keep it running but that's weird uh, i think it's actually kind of interesting that they're finally going to stop offering tv and movie content for purchase uh, at the end of what are they no they did they stopped wait yeah they're, they're stopping that as well which i think is funny because i've never seen anybody ever use that and i wouldn't trust anyone who rents their films through the playstation store that's just weird but I don't know, I, I, like I said, like, like we've all said, it's great that these games are going to come back, but I'm annoyed that the store is going to be shut down because it means that for, especially for a console like the PS Vita, which already has issues with um, how expensive physical games are, it means that that system is even more exclusive and harder to use now as well, 
which I think is a really unintended side effect of what this is going to end up doing. Because um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I love the Vita, but of course, had didn't didn't do well. Um, but you know, that that you know, it's all good. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, the whole thing is just kind of weird, though. Hi, I'm Dan Golding, a video game composer of Untitled Goose Game and others. Uh, you're listening to Player One on Sin. And we're going to be talking about video games, one in particular that has a very special place in my heart too, Wolfenstein 3D. That's right, it turns 30 on May the 5th. It's very, it's, this game means so much to me. I'm a huge Doom fan, uh, I think I've made that pretty clear. But I love all Doom-like shooters and Wolfenstein 3D is one of those games. And... For me, I actually, I never used to know about Doom, despite it being something I love so much. I found my heart first in Wolfenstein, and I thought, oh, it'd be so cool to stream this game, I'm such a cool 16-year-old. And I would spend every night trying to play this game on the hardest difficulty, thinking so many people would think I'm so cool. And I, I just fell in love with this, like, diesel punk uh, kind of aesthetic mixed with World War II, uh, like... Uh, I, I don't know, it, um, Wolfenstein 3D, Wolfenstein as an overhaul, like, you, I love you guys, <laughs> uh, and I, I like that it's just, it's, it's quirky, and you get to end Nazis, I, I wrote end, instead of some maybe more intense words, oh, 30 years, wow, the gamer word, <laughs> it's, it's such, like, especially where Wolfenstein's come, as uh, being acquired by, Bethesda and being more developed with their like Zenimax uh, productions overall. I, I found um, the the new ones, especially uh, Wolfenstein New Order. I think oh, the, the names always confuse me, but they 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 really cemented themselves as hey, we can have a story that's about the old kind of themes of World War Two, but also tell a very relative and very relevant is what I meant story about like political themes and bigotry Wolfenstein might not be so subtle with its themes but for me I, I don't know that it's always been something that I appreciated so much yes uh, uh Lenny what did like what did you think about Wolfenstein <laughs> well I think it's amazing because you look at you know what it really is and it's probably one of the most famous and uh, original um, first-person shooters. And I think, you know, you look at the, the genre now, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's one of the, you know, most popular sort of gaming types there is out there. So it's amazing. You know, I love, you look at gaming now, you look at the technology, you look at how far we've come. So I love having these anniversaries because you can really look back and, and think about, you know, where it all where it all started. You know, Wolfenstein 3D was obviously a critical and commercial success when it first came out. Um, you know, it came out in, in 1992 and in three years it had sold over 250,000 copies, which is amazing. You know, you think about a video game, you know, video games now obviously sell, sell like hotcakes, but back then that's a staggering number. Uh, I think it's awesome. You know, I love the first person shooter genre um, and it's a classic. It, it still holds up. It's a great example of, you know, sometimes, a basic game is better than a convoluted game. I think you you can't go wrong. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I just think it's it's amazing. Thirty years, it's fantastic. So exciting. Uh, Max, what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much what you said. Like, it's exciting to see that the game that pretty much revolutionised first person shooters and really you know paved the way for 
most modern, um, yeah, first-person shooter games or just first-person games in general. Um, yeah, it's 30 years old now, which is kind of interesting because it is really one of those, you know, highly influential games that really set the standard for everything to come. So I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. Definitely. And and Hugo, you know, would you say, are you a fan of, of first-person shooters? Obviously, you're new to player one, so we've got to figure out what kind of games you like. So are you a first-person shooter fan? That's pretty much what I exclusively play. <laughs> like well, that's, <laughs> I I can't think of in recent memory besides, I can't think of in recent memory at all a game that I have played that isn't a form of shooter. I can't even think like a third person or anything at all. Um, Like before when I was like waiting for my dinner to be ready, when I was cooking it, I was literally just playing Battlefield 4 for like two hours. Like, that, that's all I do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty linear. No, not linear at all. I mean, there's so many great first-person shooters out there. So, you know, it's it's the genre to go for. And it's lovely that we've got Wolfenstein 3D turning 30, celebrating where it all began. So congrats to everyone who worked on that game you know you made a classic one that people still love to this day and now we're talking star wars may the 4th is coming up soon or yep it's coming up very soon so we all love star wars here i hope um so what are we looking forward to for that oh i i feel i feel bad because i i just want to i want to talk about video games with star wars i got all these silly notes like just after we just finished talking about wolfenstein 3d uh, Star Wars Dark Forces was like a major influence in the Doom-like, as they called it, FPS genre at the time because it was the first FPS with a jump that you could jump in. Oh, really? <laughs> Which feels so strange now, especially with the amount of time I put into like Apex where you, you're constantly jumping. Um, <laughs> but also I have written Battlefront, Battlefront 2, Battlefront 2 again. <laughs> you guys, I know we're talking about it Hugo, uh, as well. Battlefront Two. Oh my gosh, the latest one. They but which one? It in clutch at the end there, towards the end of Battlefront Two's yeah. lifespan. That was one of my favorite games to hop on. And play. Oh man, it's such a good game. Yeah. Like man. I, I still play it like regularly. Um, oh my god, like it's so good. Like how well it keeps up, and although, you know, they they're not supporting it anymore, which is you know really sad. The amount of work that DICE put into that game, and if you look through the development cycle, like, it got a lot of content, and it made the game really good. At launch, bam, really bad. Not a lot of people liked it. Like, a lot of people left, understandably. I think even it's then, looking... it, it was the beta launch that actually upset the most people. Well, yeah, uh... and I'm, I'm drawing a lot of comparisons between Battlefront 2 and... And Battlefield 2042, although I think with um, Battlefield 2042, um, yeah, Dice, Dice and EA. Although I think that they've already already cooked that one. I don't think that there's any coming back from 2042. And it looks like that they're, I mean, it took them six months to make. Yeah, but they they made a comeback from Battlefront 2, so it is possible. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It is possible. If we come back in six years' um, time, it kind of makes you think. If Battlefront Two had have released this way, how much better 
it would have been and people actually would have kept yeah, playing it. That's, that's... Oh, I mean, I still, like, even on release, I was playing it a lot. I feel like maybe that's just because I'm too much of a Star Wars suck-up. I found myself getting so engrossed. The Star Wars CGI look and, like, the special effects look is something that they replicated so well in-game, like explosions mm. and, like, mm. space battles. I was like, wow, I really yeah. feel like I'm in a movie right now. Even, even when you're on Naboo, right, on Galactic Assault, yeah. When you're walking through the courtyards outside, there are like millions of pigeons like flying around. And that's the thing. That was like one of the main like defining the things. I know. The oh, I know. And like the there are so many just so much details hype. from it that um I'm that so really awesome. pays homage. Like even even the clone like even the clone voice lines, right? If you win um on Kashyyyk right in Galactic Assault, then the Clone command, command, commander at the top literally says just like in the simulations, which is a reference to the original <laughs> Star Wars Battlefront. And like, there's so much charm and like yeah. effort like put how, into how it. All the clones they have almost all the main popular clone like outfits. I know, like, I know. They like they've got Captain Rex for the um for the infiltrator and stuff. Yeah, the, it's just yeah. there's so much care and time put into it. You can really tell. But if they just well, there was eventually. Yeah. I know it was eventually. <laughs> Eventually. And it took them a while to get there, but you've got to appreciate how far they took it and mm-hmm. where it got to and how it's kind of universally now known as a good game, although yeah. it's kind of going downhill man. considering the fact that it's not supported anymore. Well, another game that EA released recently with Star Wars was Squadrons. I don't know if you guys had the chance to play that. I, I have it installed, so I got it for free with PS <laughs> Plus, and I, I'm yet to play it. Because I've got it in VR, that game is spectacular. If you just want to hang out in a ship, there's something I noticed when you're sitting behind a PC and you kind of you move your mouse in a flight sim, kind of getting ready. But in VR, you can turn your head fully around and like move the ship with it. It's just something that like really it sat with me. Okay, I'm gonna throw another one at you. What about Knights of the Old Republic? I didn't play that. That was that like a, a bit, bit, just a before, bit before my age. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. got um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. SJ yes, played w- that. Joe. Loved that. Thought that oh, was great. SWJ. I got that wrong. Yeah, I love it. Uh, a bit of an easier good. Souls-like to get into. Super fun. <laughs> they used real actors for the yeah, like camp and like the facial recognition, like the face. Uh, so, you know, maybe we we'll might see some of those characters come up in Star Wars. You know, that's just me getting very excited about all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Thank you. So we were just talking uh, about how Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is offering up a bunch of replicas of things from the show, uh, from the TV and the movies and everything for purchase well, if you go there, which uh, we raised the question, is it worth, like, would we want to do that or would we want to make our own? And something I really thought about is so interesting for these exclusive purchases is you have to go to Disneyland. I only thought about this. You have to go to Disneyland, uh, Anaheim or um, the other one, Orlando, uh, where it's these like highly expensive experiences. And then you also have to pay a massive premium to get these products as well on the side. So I think in the end, I would say no, but... Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is a fantastic experience, people have been saying, that they get to go in and have fun and celebrate all things they enjoy about Star Wars and immerse themselves in a simulation, I guess, like a... It's it's like role-playing in Star Wars, but at Disney World, and 
it got me thinking about the time I went to Chicago for Snarl Celebration, where they had a bunch of props set up for that kind of experience there, but they also had some things for upcoming VR Darth Vader games, which this is back in 2019, three years ago. No, four, three. I can't count. Three years ago. Thank you. You guys got his fingers up. I'm counting them. Um, and I, I, I'm really excited about all the games that we have that might be coming out. Now, EA lost their deal. They're no longer exclusively the only people who can make Star Wars games. Which is funny to me. I'm sure most of you guys in studio with could agree. That was clearly just a money deal. No one actually had a thought about that. They're like, oh yeah, EA, respectable video game makers. Sure, well, you guys can be the only ones who do good things for this. Um, yeah, he's been getting back on their feet a little bit recently. But at the time... Definitely a bad move. Uh, so we're seeing some new stuff come out. We're going to get Knights of the Old Republic remake, which before Max and you, you said both before your time, but I was wondering, Eleni, you might have had the chance to have played Knights of the Old Republic. Um. Yeah, I have. I mean, I, I it makes me laugh because I am. We're all quite similar age, so in terms <laughs> of the in terms of age contributing to if I have um, hasn't really, but I do have an older brother, so I have been exposed to a lot of games before my time. Um, I mean, in in terms of sort of um, you know franchises that have have iconic games throughout the years, I think Star Wars has got such a good history of great games, and I think it's awesome to see that now they're sort of starting to to come back to that that status. I mean, obviously, you know with with Disney having acquired Lucasfilm way back whenever they did, you know, we saw the new trilogy come out, all of these great new TV shows. So in terms of the, the Star Wars content, we're seeing so much more of it. Um, but yeah, give us give us some great games. That's that's all I really care about. I, I love, love so a good Star Wars game. Like Bioware and EA Studio finally getting maybe to go back to something that they felt good about. Whereas we've had recent failings in the, the Mass Effect. Actually, you know what? That being said, I didn't get to come back to the Mass Effect remakes. So I can't. Can't say anything about it, but I know Andromeda was a bit... Look, let's not go there. If anyone who's listened to Play One knows the Mass Effect trilogy is my favourite gaming trilogy and they, also, and they also know that Andromeda is the most heartbreaking gaming experience of my entire life. <laughs> so I'm not going to subject the listeners to, to my sadness um, at this time. We're going to focus on happiness, which is May the 4th, celebrating Star Wars. Uh before we we go, Max, any anything you want to talk about Star Wars related? Uh, Star Wars related. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just I just I do love Star Wars as well. I think the I'm really excited for the Kenobi series coming up. That that's exciting because um, Hayden Christensen's also going to come back. So hopefully he can sort of redeem himself, um, in, at least in the fans' eyes um, after the prequels. Ewan, Ewan McGregor's back, but most importantly. Uh, the soundtrack will be done by John Williams, which I think is very exciting. He's been he's done all of Star Wars, and it's great to see he's back for this. And that's what I'm most excited about. But suddenly, a new contender emerges. Just quickly, I just want to note: not only is you and McGregor back, but um, at the end of uh, Return of the Sith, uh, we see uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. Sorry, it's uh, you, you've only had like 15 years to catch up on it. Uh, well, Revenge of the Sith as well yeah revenge of the sith look man disappointing. Um, i'm disappointed at, at such a festive time of year too sorry anyway um when obi-wan kenobi hands the young luke skywalker off to the 
Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru, I think their name are. They've actually got the original actors from Revenge of the Sith to be here again. So, yeah, I just thought it was pretty cool. Anyways. No, it is lovely. It's it's great to see them back. You know, I always liked Hayden Christensen. I think he got a bad rap. I, I would not blame that film, those films on him. So I think this will be awesome because everyone obviously loves Ewan McGregor. I think Hayden Christensen will get his his sort of redemption arc, if you will. Um, not so much the character, but just him as, as an actor. Uh, I'm really keen. We've been talking a lot about Star Wars and that's got me thinking about my favourite Star Wars the prequels, guys. They're the best, okay? They're, they're fr- frankly, they're all I ever wanted, all I ever needed, and they were at the right time of my life. I was just a little wee baby, and they made they inspired me so much to be the person I am today. But really, we're a video game show. I, sh- I should stop talking about Star Wars. Maybe I should open the floor to talk about prequels instead for games. Maybe ones we want to see. Maybe ones we've loved. Maybe ones we've hated. Okay. I'm thinking, Max, do you have any prequels that you just... They just live somewhere in your brain rent-free. I do. What I really want is a Bioshock prequel. That's like, that would be fantastic. They sort of hinted at it in the DLC for um, Bioshock Infinite, which is sort of like a taste of what the Bioshock prequel could be. And if they made a full game out of that, especially with um, like a, with like the new Unreal Engine 5, all the water stuff, that would just be absolutely perfect. I'd love to see it. That's actually such a great... Such a great quality opinion to have right there. Look at you go. No, it is. You've just become my favorite player one um, team member because that, I just think it's like ridiculous they haven't done it. Like you said, Very World C was a great taste. Like I love that DLC. It was fantastic. But, you know, you could have the period between, you know, the the downfall of Rapture and then, you know, the, the beginning of Bioshock 1. I would love to see it. It's, you know, one of my favorite um, most underrated characters in gaming is Bridget Tenenbaum, who was the 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 German scientist who sort of experiments with the big daddies, the little sisters. And then in Bioshock 1, you know, she ultimately grows a conscience and and helps you sort of heal them if you want to. So I would love to see sort of, you know, a Bioshock prequel that focuses on figures like her, like Andrew Ryan, so many rich characters. Uh, it is a great answer, Max, and another great answer and one that has been reminded of thanks to Tom's mention of Mass Effect earlier. Um, I would love a, a Mass Effect prequel game. I know obviously we're getting a, a new game, which I'm very excited about. It's in development. Uh, but I've always been really fascinated about the idea of having a prequel focus on uh, the first contact between humans and and aliens. It's something that's uh, spoken about largely throughout the trilogy, particularly, you know, within the the, Huri- the human and Turian dynamics because um, it was a very, um, I guess, less than friendly initial greeting. Uh, I think that would be so cool. And I would love, you know, I love the Mass Effect universe. Obviously, I love the RPG elements, but I think it would be really cool to just have a more linear action shooter that would focus on, that first contact between humans and the other races in the Mass Effect universe. I think that would be cool. Um, one quick prequel I do not like um, is Gears of War Judgment. I love Gears of War, love the characters, was kind of keen to have a game focus on Baird and Cole, did not like it, was ridiculous, was way too hard, kind of boring, um, and I'm so glad that Gears of War is back on track and doing great things. But Speaking of great things or not so great things, Hugo, what prequels come to mind for you? You know, I was originally going to say Undertale because, you know, 
it's widely seen as one of, you know, the greatest um, indie games of all time. And uh, it's for a good reason. I've actually played through like 35% of it. And then I, that was on my laptop before I bought a PC. And then I bought and built my own PC and say there's no cloud saving for Undertale. So, and I didn't want to start a completely new save. So it's just been kind of sitting there collecting dust in my Steam library, but got me thinking because uh, I'm very much a first-person shooter man. One game I'd like a prequel to, Left for Dead. How did the green flu get that bad? Who made it? How did it come to be? Why is it so infectious? How did it move to America so quickly? What's the rest of... Even, even like a, a game that documents the effects in a different country. What's what's going on over there? You know, it's um. I, I do like the idea of like a Left 4 Dead, like yeah, like all across the world have different like levels and like yeah, like Australia, Europe, yeah, like sort of thing. If, cool. if yeah. there's one thing that I'd like to see from that franchise is that is it a new game? Because well, that as well, I was I was actually about to <laughs> say something related to that is because Valve, like even though it's primarily like a relatively silly like you know zombie first person shooter. It's got a lot of depth to the story and the characters. Because I have to make four characters that are recognizable, likable, and all that. I'd just like to see it elsewhere. I you think know? That's, such a, that's such a great opinion. Honestly, I've been thinking about it a long time. I've, I've settled on it. I think I want a Stardew Valley prequel. I want to know all about the grandpa. I want to know why yeah. the bed's so weird. I, I, that's, that's what's on my mind. Who created the cursed tools? <laughs> okay, it's just, it's so, it's so above me, but... Anyone who's tuned in before would know what time it is. It is, of course, time for the quiz. Um, now, you know, I was Quizmaster last week. The The honour was transferred over to Connor and Dem. Unfortunately, neither of them are here, which means I've taken Quizmaster privileges back. Uh, so I apologise for the listeners who are probably sick of me doing these quizzes. But anyone who hasn't tuned in before to a quiz, the way it works is I'll read out the questions. We've got eight in total. If you know the answer, my fellow Player One crew, you just buzz in with your name. Whoever I hear first gets first dibs. Um, there is a theme this week, so bonus point to anyone who gets the theme. Uh, but before we get into the bonus points, we're going to get into the first point. Uh, but before I do, can I just have a quick a quick uh, practice of everyone's buzzes? If you could just give me your name. Hugo. Tom. Max. Max. Oh, there's, oh, I said it. It didn't register. Max. Okay. Uh, I mean, that isn't a good sign. Yeah, I'm not backing you this week either, Max. Uh, it, was too, um, it was too quiet. Whoops. But, all right, question one, folks. Who developed Half-Life 2? Oh, Belt. Oh, fuck. I uh, got to say it. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I said the... Max, what's the answer? Valve. That is correct. Hugo, Hugo, I know you're new to this, but, you know, we've got rules. You've got to abide by them, and that's okay. It's the first question. It's all right. You were correct, so that's good. But, <laughs> but the point is the point is going to go to Max. Um, that is correct. Of course, Valve did develop Half-Life 2. Um, oh, I came up with that answer all on my own, by the way. You did. You did. Had no help at all. That's, no, no. I, I'm really backing that, you, Max. That was, that was the most incredible part, really. Yeah. I'm really backing you, but um, Thanks, all right. Another question up for grabs. Question two: 
In Bioshock Infinite, there is a moment where Booker picks up and plays the guitar while Elizabeth sings. Now, what is the song that she sings in this scene? That is actually a really good... Never played Bioshock. ...question. Because I, I love Bioshock Infinite, and now I'm annoyed that I don't know this because that game might actually love it. Um, I actually don't know. Tom? Tom? Uh, I'm going to guess it was Old Town Road. <laughs> if only that would, if, if that was the answer, it would Honestly. be the greatest game ever And I would have got the point, which is really what I came for, but no, I, I haven't played uh, it either. I'm going to, I'm going to take Hugo. I'm going to take an educated guess. Um, I'm going to say something like, God, it's going to be Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. No, that's actually a great guess. I like that guess. Um, but no, Max, any any answer before I well, reveal? It's, it's especially difficult because Bioshock Infinite has a lot of songs that are like from like the 80s or something. It so it really could be anything. Um, I want, it's a guitar. I'm going to guess Wonderwall because that seems like the song you play on the guitar. <laughs> everyone, everyone does, so that seems... Womp Um it's uh will the circle be unbroken um which is a song that features in the game yeah because that makes sense yeah because that's like heavily in the first bit of the yeah exactly um and it's kind of a great metaphor for the the game in general uh but now folks all right hugo i may be backing you here we'll see but question three the halo franchise of course is a beloved xbox series and as many entries in the franchise now which halo game has sold the most copies Hugo. Hugo. Is it three? Correct. It's not, it's e- oh, I was about to say it's either three or two. No. Two had an absolutely astronomical launch, but I think that three is more renowned as a better game. And like, so yeah, three. It is It is three. Yeah. You almost cost yourself the Ooh. point, but you got it. It's Halo yeah. 3. Um, at, at, at current standing, it's roughly sold around 14.5 million copies. Um, you're right, Halo Ooh. 2 did have a... A crazy launch um but halo mm. 3 as you said probably the the more beloved game i would say in general um but yes yeah, so as it stands hugo you're on one i believe max you're on one tom on none but we've got one more question for this half before we head into our next song um call of duty black ops 2 in my opinion is the goat of cod zombie games can't beat it the best now one thing that makes those zombie experience is so great is the maps now folks you can buzz in you get one point for each correct zombie map you can tom, name that it- Hugo. all right tom go ahead transit die rise um i think you can also get all of the original maps i'm not gonna get into those okay oh, i'd started now i've freaked myself out uh there's buried then there's also oh buried was the last to release Oh, God. Um, uh, Mob of the Dead, greatest map of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. Okay. Uh, also released, are you counting Farm? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Town then mm-hmm. as well. Uh, do you count Diner for where you can play the like, yep. <laughs> turned? Um, 
Oh god. Also, I disagree. Black Ops Three is the goat only because they re-released it with uh, with modding capabilities. Anyway, not the point. Um, I agree with you, Thomas. There, although yes, exactly. I kind of hate you for getting these points. I'm no still worries. hanging on to the one map you haven't mentioned. All Don't. Right. I'm, I'm capping you there, Tom. That's uh, seven points. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Origins in Nuketown. Yes. Origins. Okay. So, Tom, you got the seven points. Yep. Hugo, you get the two points for that. Um, Max, okay, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like I, I was, I was literally like about to. Black Ops I was waiting for him to yeah. finish the sentence. No, Tom, Tom was quick, and it, it's put him in the lead. And now it was a, a tough first half for sure. Tom really cleaned up with his Black Ops two knowledge. He's on seven points. Hugo has a chance still with three. Max, we love an underdog on one point. Could still come back. <laughs> we do love an underdog story because they're the ones who always win in those like. Disney, yeah, movies. in Marvel so, movies, there's a chance, yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, so we've still got four more questions, and a bonus five points is up for grabs if anyone can guess the, the theme for this quiz. Um, anyone listening in, feel free to hit us up on social media if, if you know what it is. But question five, folks Doom Eternal was a smash hit of shooters, shooters, and shooters. That's the theme, you oh, are correct, damn. yes. <laughs> Of course. I was like, oh, this, those first four, that might be a coincidence. Oh, as soon as I heard Doom Eternal, first person shooters. Very good, Hugo. Of course, yes. you know, um, in, in respect to Wolfenstein 3D turning 30, I thought mm. it would be a lovely way to celebrate that by talking about some of the more amazing modern day first person nice. shooters. Um, so very well done. You're, so that means eight. we're in the lead on eight. Tom on seven, Max. I'm taking a Doom Eternal point. <laughs> Max, right. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm so we'll sorry, see. my sweet summer child. We'll see. Oh. But but hey, I'm going to finish off this question because, as I said, Doom Eternal, smash it of 2020. Um, I'm looking for the month uh, that it was initially released. Tom. Max, go ahead. Because we love an underdog story. It was March, and it was the same day as Animal Crossing New Horizons. Do you, know what, do you know what the exact date is? I do know what the 21st? day was. It was March. No, March 20th. You know what, Max? I'll give you two yes. points for that. You got the yes. month and the day. Good so hope. good get. Good ah, get. I was, I was holding yeah, on to hope. That I committed it to memory so hard I <laughs> delayed. Like I was like so ready for that game. I love that. The only reason I know that is because Connor has spoken about it all the time on the show about how he was the only person there for that game because everyone was was there at his the store buying Animal Crossing. Um so shout out to you, Connor, for for sinking that into my brain. But hey. Next question. Digitally, so. Far, Cry, Far Cry has, of course, had some great villains. Uh, what is the name of the villain in Far Cry 3? Hugo. Hugo. Isn't it... Um, Rise? It's like... Some, some, uh, it's, um, bum, 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 no. oh. right. you, know, you know what the sad thing is? I know the name of the actor who plays the villain, who's Michael Mando. <laughs> Because he's yeah. in Medical Soul, but I don't know oh. the name of the villain. Oh, it's um. So well, you've, you've lost your chance, Hugo. So you're yeah, you're, no, you're done. I know. Yeah. Trying, trying to... yeah. Tom, Tom Max. I really uh, it's um. I, I feel like <sighs> it's um Tom. Tom. Vas. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Correct. Oh. Okay, okay. I remember it because I always think Vase is his name. <laughs> well, 
no very very well done it is not vase it is vast very very well done a great villain you were you were correct max you know what max i'm gonna give you a point as well so tom got one because you knew the actor um max is getting all the pity points oh my god i know i know this is why i'm not a good quiz master racking it up um but all right second last question folks here it goes after developing their final halo title halo reach what franchise did develop a bunch of then tom destiny I, th- I heard. I heard. Tom, let's go. I heard Tom first. He goes. Oh, how the world works. I believe that means Tom has taken the lead on nine points, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, he's on nine. I think nine. Yes, Tom? nine. Hugo is on eight, okay. and Max, are you on five um, points? Winter Olympics. It doesn't really matter at this point. Alrighty, <laughs> there we go. But last question. Um, name. The playable characters slash classes in Borderlands Two. Oh, Max. Tom. Okay, Gunzerka. I heard no. Simon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have oh, Max. It. Max said it first. I've got to say that. The I've got underdog. to. I. I. It's, no. I. I don't know if it was my end. Max said it at first. Well. Well, Hugo. Look, you're yeah. not the quiz master. I'm not. Buddy. Yeah. I know, but I. You're just, out of control. Like, we explained oh, the rules at the beginning. Here. It's my ear that dictates who answers. Oh, so, Tom, Max, okay, I heard Gunzerka. Yeah. Gunzerka, mm-hmm. Siren, Maya, mm-hmm. um, Krieg, the Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Gage, the Mechromancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zero, the Assassin. Mm-hmm. Um, the Soldier, I can't even remember his name, Axton. I think it is. Everyone, no one likes Axton. That's, um, that's it, I'm pretty sure. I think... Yeah, there's six. Yep. There's six, and you, my friend, have won the quiz this week. Well done, Tom. <laughs> it was a very competitive quiz. I feel I... bad. I have 3,000 hours in Borderlands 2. Yeah, I love Borderlands 2 as well. No, that's that's what we want to hear. You know, in celebration of first-person shooters, I love that you all got all those questions because oftentimes I'm left with crickets. So well done. Yeah. Anyone listening in, I hope you enjoyed the quiz. Definitely hit us up if any of our answers were impressive, were unimpressive. But what we're really here to talk about is the end of the show, guys. It's the end for today. I know it's sad to even think about. I've had to bring in my dog just to give a little cuddle so I can feel like I'm okay with that. But Sin uh, and Player One is eternal. You can find us on all of our social media for all of our bonus extra content at... Player One Sin on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Player One on YouTube. Player One on Omni, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We've got a bunch of cool uh, exclusives on there. You can listen to interviews. You can listen to old shows. You can hear all about like some of our spin-offs. I know I've got a sick one coming down the pipeline, but uh, today's been so much fun. I, ha- I had a lot of fun. Well, I guess all I'd really like to say is thanks for a great show. I hope everyone enjoyed who was listening in. You know, we... We love games, so definitely check out any of the new releases. You know, in the next couple months, there's going to be some awesome games coming out, awesome events that we're planning on covering, so stay tuned for any news on that. But, yes, before we go, Hugo, lovely to have you on. Check out Max's Seasonal. Check out any additional Player One content. And for anyone listening in, we will see and speak to you all. Catch us later.